Today is the 16th Sunday after Trandy Sunday, and the gospel reading a point for this day is from Luke chapter 7, beginning with the 11th verse. Now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from Jesus Christ, his Son, our Savior. Amen. We read at the beginning of Luke chapter 7 of the coming of the Lord to Capernaum. He had called his twelve apostles and had preached his sermon on the plain. When he came again to Capernaum, the elders of the Jews came to Jesus on behalf of a Roman centurion and his servant. For thus we read, And a certain centurion servant, who was dear to him, was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving, for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. While the Jews appealed to the worth of the man on account of his works, the centurion made no such appeal, declaring his unworthiness and his reliance on the mercy of the Lord. For thus we read, Then Jesus went with them, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And the Lord granted his prayer and said concerning this believing centurion, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. It was the day after this healing and this word concerning the faith of the centurion that Jesus went into a city called Nain. St. Luke records, Now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. Now, perhaps we are tempted to pass over this statement with undue haste, but I would note that Nain was over 20 miles from Capernaum. Jesus and his disciples and the crowd did not just sort of stroll over to Nain. They moved with a purpose. But it was apparently a purpose known only to the Lord. The crowd followed, but they could not know why the Lord led them in this direction. But the one who orders all things in heaven and earth knew the plight of the widow of Nain and came to deliver her from her sorrow, and to give hope to all generations of the church. It was at the gates of the city of Nain that these two multitudes met, for a large crowd followed Jesus, and a large crowd came out with the widow, mourning her son. The young man had gone the way of all who dwell in the cities of men, as the kingdoms of this world have their season and are swept away. So this young man passed away. We know nothing of his illness. We know nothing of his vocation. 
save that his death brought great sorrow to his widowed mother. The crowd that accompanied the widow thought that they knew why they were there. They sought to comfort one who wept. But they did not know how the Lord would wipe away her tears. The crowds were in motion, but they did not know the end of their labors. But the Lord of heaven and earth worked all things to the glory of the triune God. It is thus that we hear the words of St. Paul as he wrote to the Ephesians. Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Our eyes behold the tragedy. Our heart feels the loss. Our minds wrestle with what often feels to be the vanity of all human endeavors. It is thus that we read in Holy Scripture of the vanity of our labors. For thus it is in Ecclesiastes, the first chapter. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What profit has a man from all his labor in which he toils unto the sun? One generation passes away, and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. The crowd beheld a dead young man. In this regard, this tragedy is far too common. But even when a life has been full of years, the end still fills us with this sorrow. The generations pass, and the bodies are laid in the earth and we know that soon there will be no one among men to remember either our sorrow or the object of our sorrow. For we are grass, and quickly we pass away. The Ephesians were thus tempted to lose heart at all that St. Paul endured. Though he had preached to them the theology of the cross, they were in spiritual danger when they saw what he endured. St. Paul declared by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that he endured all his tribulation for them, for this was their glory. We know the Lord's motivation for raising the young man from the dead, his compassion for the mourning widow. She had lost her son, her only son, and she was a widow. In his compassion, the one who spoke all of creation into existence and who, and who sustains it through the power of his word had but to speak those words, do not weep. There is much to understand here, for the words which are used in the Greek are an active present imperative. In other words, our Lord commands her not to weep right now. And the word which is translated as weep can carry the sense of lamenting or wailing. In other words, it pertains to immediate action on her part to cease to wail and to lament for her deceased son. But then the Lord addresses the young man. Young man, I say to you, arise. And when the dead young man is addressed, the word translated arise is an aorist imperative passive. In other words, it is a commandment that happens once, immediately, and in which the young man is not acting but being acted upon. In this dead young man, the word of the Lord brings about that which is being commanded. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. The Lord declares concerning himself in Deuteronomy, the 32nd chapter, Now see that I, even I am he, and there is no God besides me. I kill and I make alive, I wound and I heal. Nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. 
for I raise my hand to heaven and say, as I live forever. We behold this word in the raising of the son of the widow of Nain. The crowd from Nain could not effect this miracle for the woman. They could attempt to comfort her in her loss, but they could not restore her son to her. The crowd which accompanied Jesus knew nothing of her loss until they came to the gates of Nain, and there they had nothing which they could do. The Lord brought together these crowds that they might bear witness to the wondrous deeds of the incarnate Lord, for Christ Jesus is the one who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. It is easy for us to comprehend the sorrows of the widow, to be mindful of the love of the Father, not the Father of the young man, but the Father who has adopted us in our baptism into Christ Jesus. As St. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The world forgets our sorrows, as the world forgets those for whom we mourn. But our Father strengthens us by the working of the Holy Spirit, to strengthen us in faith, so that we would not mourn beyond measure, and our faith would not fail. The whole church is one family, from Adam to the end of the age, united in Christ Jesus, who is our life and salvation. How may we know the love of Christ which, which passes knowledge, save as we begin to perceive, by the working of the Lord, through the means of grace as he strengthens us? We sorrow in our times of loss. We worry in our times of need. And through it all, God is still God, and his faith shall not fail us. We worship the Lord, who carried the sins of the whole world in his own body upon the cross and made atonement for them through his sufferings and death, so that all who believe in him would have eternal life. Christ Jesus, the widow's son, whose widowed mother would stand at the foot of the cross, restored this young man to his widowed mother, and thus revealed to all that God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. And this word continues to the ends of the earth and the end of this age. In every place where the gospel is proclaimed, the resurrection of the son of the widow of Nain is known. We need not know his name, for his name was known to the Lord. For we read in Isaiah, the 49th chapter, Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on in the palms of my hands, and your walls are continually before me. It was those hands of the Lord which were pierced for us, that we might have life. The word of Christ not only gives life, it gives breath to the proclamation of the Lord's mercy. For thus we read that when Jesus had raised the young man, then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. Now the gospel is proclaimed, bringing life into a world of death. 
for the church shall endure to all generations as the word of God declares. The Lord will call us forth from our tombs, so that we may enter into the gates of Jerusalem, the gates of the Jerusalem which is to come. In that day, we shall be raised to live forever with the Lord. There will be no more sorrow and separation. That time shall have passed. We shall dwell together with the saints of all ages, if we do not lose faith in the promises of God. Stand steadfast in that which the Lord has proclaimed, for the sorrows of this world have their time. The peace of the Lord endures forever. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we pray thee that thy grace may always go before and follow after us and make us continually to be given to all good works. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with the Father and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. The people of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone invite you to visit them today for the 10 a.m. worship service. Sunday school falls right after the divine service, and we are currently studying St. Peter's First Epistle. We also have midweek service on Wednesday at 11 a.m., which is a matin service, and we invite you to join us then as well. Salem is located approximately two miles north of Malone off of FM 308. For more information on Salem Lutheran Church, you can visit us on the internet at www.salemlutheranchurch.net. These broadcasts are provided through the support of the members of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone. Salem is affiliated with the Evangelical Lutheran Diocese of North America, and we invite you to learn more of our fellowship by visiting us on the internet at www.eldona.org.